prayer is really important. And one of the great promises that's repeated over and over and over again in Scripture is that God promises that when we pray, he will answer. This, is, this promise is given to us over and over again. In fact, uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 is a wonderful example of this. It simply says, call to me, this is God speaking, call to me and I will answer you. In my Bible, I have that little word, will, underlined, circled, and starred. Because that's such an important part of this verse. I mean, it makes the entire difference in the verse. God doesn't say, you know, call to me and I might answer you. Or call to me and if I'm not busy, you know, I'll kind of think about it. He, he says, whenever you call to me, his promise is, I will answer you. No conditions. No maybes. God has promised that he'll answer every single prayer that we pray with no exceptions. So, you know what? I think we ought to pray more because God's promise is when we pray, he'll answer. In fact, our only unanswered prayers are the prayers that we don't pray. Our only unanswered prayers are the prayers that we don't pray. Now, we've talked about this before, but we have to remember that when God does answer, he can answer in one of three ways. God can answer yes, he can answer not now, or he can answer no. No is an answer. And so God can answer us in one of three ways, but the reality is he has promised us that every time we pray, he will answer every single prayer. Now, trust me, I know that when we pray for something, and I know this by experience, that when we pray for something and we don't get the answer that we asked for, that it can be frustrating. It can even be confusing at times. And so I didn't want to end this series without dealing with this topic of, of what do we do when God, when we pray and God's answer to us is no. What do we do when God's answer is no? Because the bottom line is this, and I hate to break it to you if you don't know this already, but if you pray, especially in the way that we talked about last week, where we pray about anything. If we pray in that way, there are going to be times in our lives where God is going to hear our prayer and his answer to us is going to be no, no, or wait, not now, or grow up, you know, get a little more maturity to you. I'll help you do that. And you wouldn't ask for that. You know, you'd understand. And so those are answers to our prayer, but you're going to receive some no's from God in your lifetime. And when that happens, it can be confusing. It can cause us to question things like, you know, why can two people pray for the same thing and one person gets a miracle and the other person doesn't? Or, or why, you know, why is it when we pray for people who are sick, some, some of them get well and some of them don't? I mean, I, I prayed for people who were, were nearly to the point of death, and I've, I've prayed for them, and, and miraculously, God healed them. I mean, they're still running around somewhere. And then I prayed for others, and God chose not to heal for them. I mean, I mean uh, you know, last, this last month, I prayed for my Aunt Char, and, and no miracle. Why is that? Why is it that sometimes we pray for this person and God will do a miracle, and we pray for this person and God won't do a miracle? And in our minds, we begin to ask these questions. Is it because I prayed a better prayer this time than I did this time? Is it because God loves this person more than he loves this person? You know, we come up with all of these reasons. Why is that? And of course, those reasons are not the reasons. 
But sometimes when God says no, it can be confusing to us and it can cause us to ask those questions, right? I mean, you've all asked those questions, right? I'm not the only one. Okay, Dustin and I have asked that question. So, no, we've all asked that, those questions at, point in our, at points in our life, I'm sure. And so what I want to do this morning is, first of all, I want to give you three possible reasons as to why God may say no when we pray. And again, this, these are three out of probably hundreds and hundreds of reasons that God may say no. But, but I want to give you three possible reasons. And then more important than the why, I want to share with you what do we do when we sense that God is saying no to a prayer that we have prayed, Okay. So we're just going to jump right in, and uh, where are we at? Last week, last week we held you late, um, and so this week, I was going to promise we're going to get out early, but you know me better than that. So anyway, we're just going to jump right in, okay? We'll see how it goes. Three possibilities of why sometimes God says no to our prayer. Number one, the first reason is that sometimes God says no because his perspective is so much bigger than our perspective. Sometimes God will say no to a prayer that we've prayed because he can see things that we cannot see in our own limited humanity. Sometimes, you know, God can see, because God is God, he is not confined by space and time. And so God can see into the future. He can see what's around the bend. He can see the spider web of implications to every possible decision that might be made. He can see how it would impact us in the future, but he can also see how it would impact the people around us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says this. It says that God knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. And so God has the ability to see what we cannot see. And so sometimes God will not answer our prayer the way that we want him to answer our prayer simply because he is able to see what we cannot see. You see, our, our problem with our limited perspective is that, that we don't have the ability, we don't possess the ability to see the unintended consequences of what we're asking for. But God does. He, he knows how the thing that we ask for will not only influence our lives 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but he knows how the thing that we've asked for will influence the people's lives around us, our neighbors and our coworkers and our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. He knows how it will impact the lives of those around us. And so sometimes God will say no simply because he has the ability to see what we cannot see. I've asked you this question before in this series, but do good parents always give their children everything their children ask for? Right, if, if you don't know, parents, the answer is no. We don't do that. And, and the reason why is because good parents love their children too much to give them whatever they ask for. You don't, you don't give a child everything they ask for. Why? Because as a parent, as an adult, you understand things that they can't understand. One of the things that I love about little Becker Cave, if you don't know Becker, you need to get to know Becker. Joe and Kelly are his parents. They're not near as cool as Becker is. <laughs> Joe and Kelly have Becker and Briley, and both of them are awesome. But one of the things I love about little Becker is that he is all boy. I mean, every bone in his body, every fiber of him is all boy. And I love that about him. 
And one of the things that, that I, I, I know about him is that because he's all boy and like lots of little boys, he loves to play guns because lots of little boys like to do that, right? And so it's not uncommon, you know, it, he doesn't even have to have a toy gun to play guns. It's not uncommon when I'll see him out in the lobby after the kids' church exactly right there, Dane, that his finger will become a gun and he'll, our eyes will meet and he'll look at me and he'll go, pew, pew, like that. And of course, Joe and Kelly are totally embarrassed, and they're like, Becker, you shouldn't shoot the pastor. <laughs> I mean, at, lo- at least not the lead pastor. If you're going to shoot a pastor, shoot the children's pastor, right? <laughs> but what they don't know is I love it when he does that, because he's being who he is. He's just being all boy, and, and he, he, he loves to, to play with guns, and so he makes everything a gun, and he plays around. One day... Um, one day I ran into Joe and Becker at the grocery store, and we stood there and talked for a minute, and he, had, he, he didn't do his, and I didn't know what was up, and I said, what's up, Becker? And he goes, I got a gun. <laughs> I said, really? Where is it? It's in my coat. I said, probably not, you probably better not tell everybody that, you know, in this day and age. But, but, but he loves, so I, I was thinking about that, and think about this with me. I mean, what if, now, you know, because the, the, on their way home from church, you know, after, today after the service, they're on their way home, they've got, they've got little Becker strapped up in his car seat, and, and what if on the way home, they're heading home, and all of a sudden, Becker says to his mom and dad, he says, hey, Joe and Kelly, he says, you know, I, you know how much I love to play with guns, right? In fact, I, I, I'm passionate about it. I believe with all my heart in the Second Amendment where it says the right of the people is to bear arms and no one has the right to take that right away, not even a person's parents. And so I'm tired of using my finger and I want a real gun. And so he says, please, 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 if you love me, give me a real gun. Now, because Joe and Pe- Kelly are good parents and because they love Becker, we all know what they'd say, Right? I mean, the first thing they'd say is, we got to get this kid into a gifted program because he's got quite the vocabulary for a three-year-old or whatever it is, right? But after they got past that, they, they, their answer would be, absolutely not. There, there's no way we would ever give you that thing, no matter how bad you want it, because as parents, they have a bigger perspective than he has. As adults, they understand the consequences and the implications that a child does not understand. Guess what? That's the way it is with God. He, his perspective is so much greater than yours and mine. And because he loves us so stinking much, he loves you way too much to give you every stinking thing you ask for. Because he loves you way too much. The reality is that most of the time when we ask God for something, we have no clue the implications other than we'll get what we wanted. And that's usually what we're concerned about. We don't see the full picture of the good or the bad that will be set in motion if God actually did what we asked him to do. We need to understand this. Every prayer we pray has implications far beyond what we can see. And because God has such a greater perspective, sometimes we'll ask for him to do something and his answer will be no, simply to protect us from something that we cannot see. He guards and protects. In fact, that's what it says in in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 8. The writer of Proverbs says that God guards the course of the just and he protects 
the way of his faithful ones. He guards us and he protects us. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God will always protect us from every difficult or every painful circumstance in our lives. It doesn't mean that. It says he'll guard our course or protect our way. In other words, God will not answer prayers that are going to lead us or are going to lead somebody else off of course. Off of, off of course of his goodwill, off of the course of what his desire for our life is. Now, now, I don't know that I necessarily like this, but one of the ways that oftentimes God helps us navigate uh, through difficult things is he'll walk with us through it rather than take us around it. God's promise has never been, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you avoid every painful or difficult circumstance in our life. His promise is I'll help you get through it. The Old Testament story of Daniel is a great example of this. If you remember the story of Daniel, Daniel's caught doing the right thing. Uh, the king issues this, this order that says it's going to be illegal for you to pray to anybody except to the king. And, and, as, and Daniel, he, he disobeys that order. He prays three times a day. And so as a result of Daniel's disobedience to the king but obedience to God, the king is going to throw him into the lion's den and have him eaten by lions. And so Daniel prays, you know, he prays, God, would, would you help me with this? Would you, uh, I, can't, I, I, I can't imagine that in Daniel's prayer time he didn't pray, God, I don't want to be eaten by lions. I don't think he prayed, God, I hope I get eaten by lions. He, he had to pray, God, would you help me with this? Would you help me, would, if there's any way that this couldn't happen, would you help me with it? But we know the story, God allows Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den because God had a bigger plan. God had a bigger perspective. And so he allows Daniel to be thrown into the den. And instead of removing this difficult experience from Daniel's life, God is with him and he shuts the mouths of the lions. Scary for Daniel? Yeah. More difficult? You bet. But the result is a better story with a bigger impact. The same is true in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king says, you know, if you won't bow down and worship me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace and have you burned alive. You don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hit their knees and spent time in prayer and said, God, please keep us from being thrown into the fiery furnace. God's answer to them was no. He let them be thrown in. But, but when they were thrown in, what God does, again, is he shows up, he walks with them through the fiery furnace, and, and he protects them, and he brings them through. And this is the amazing part about it. If you read the story, it says not only were they untouched, they didn't even smell like fire. Here's what's interesting. It says the ropes that had shackled them, they had been tied up, they had been thrown into the fire, the ropes that had shackled them had been burned off. Listen, sometimes the prayer that we pray is, God, don't let me go through this fiery trial. And God says, no, I'm going to let you go through it. But what I am going to do is I'm going to be here with you. And when I take you through it, what's going to happen is you're going to come through the other side. And what you're going to discover is that I actually used that fiery experience to burn away that very thing that was keeping you captive and holding you in bondage. 
Listen, I'm not saying it's not going to be tough. I'm not saying that that it's not going to take great faith. But what I am saying is that if God does decide to take you through it rather than around it, once you get through it, what you're going to discover is that what he took you through is the very thing that he used in order to set you free. Amen. We don't like that. But it's true. The very thing that he takes you through oftentimes is the thing that he uses to set us free in life, free from a habit, free from a person, free from fear, free from guilt, free from shame. Whatever it is that has been binding you up, God wants to burn those things off. And listen, oftentimes that cannot happen unless you go through the fire. It will not happen by going around it. God never promised that he would always help you avoid difficulty, but he has given us this wonderful promise that he will help us get through it, that we don't have to go through it alone, that he will go through it with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? You see, sometimes God says no because he has a greater purpose. He has a greater perspective, and he understands that there's more to the story than we understand. I think about the Apostle Paul. Paul Paul is responsible, if you don't know this, Paul is responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament. The New Testament Bible that we have, most of it uh, includes Paul's writings. And so Paul, he, he wrote the majority of the New Testaments, and if you read through Paul's writings, one of the things that you discover is All through there, he had this great desire. He wanted to go to Rome and preach. He just really wanted to go to Rome and preach. And and, and the Bible doesn't tell us this. You know, sometimes when I read these stories, I, I, I just imagine the story in my mind. And I imagine if I were Paul. And if I were Paul, you know, he wanted to go to Rome because Rome was the most influential city in the world. It was like going to New York or or Los Angeles or London or someplace like that. He wanted to go to Rome and he wanted to preach. And in my mind, I would think, you know, if I were Paul, man, I would be thinking, man, I'd love to just take a Mediterranean cruise over to Rome. And then once I get to Rome, I'll go to the Colosseum, and I'm going to rent the Colosseum. Seats about 50,000 people. And so I'll do a bunch of promotion. I'll invite people to the Colosseum. We'll pack it full of 50,000, and I'll preach a, a Paul's Harvest Crusade. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. But, well, God said no to that. God says, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. But the way you're going to go to Rome is you're going to go in chains. And you're going to be thrown into a prison, and you're, be, you're going to be sentenced to die. And so Paul is in Rome, he's in chains, he's in prison, sentenced to die. And, and instead of preaching in the Colosseum, Paul decides, I've got nothing else to do, so I'm going to write a few letters. And he just, he just begins to write down his thoughts to some of his friends who were at the churches he had planted on his missionary journeys. And those letters were compiled and saved, and today we call them the New Testament. And so let me ask you this, which do you think would have had a greater impact, Paul preaching to 50,000 people in a Colosseum or Paul in prison writing letters that millions and millions and millions of Christians down through the years have studied and, and, and read and learned who God is and how we're to live in relationship with God? The letters, right? Sometimes Paul will say no to us or God will say no to us. Paul does too, if you read Paul's letters, by the way. But God will say no to us because he has a bigger perspective. God had a bigger perspective than Paul. 
He, he could see what Paul couldn't see. You know, in my, in, again, I just imagine this in, in my mind. In Paul's mind, maybe Paul thought, you know, what am I doing here in prison? I'm gifted. I'm a gifted speaker. I mean, I could have such a great impact if I'm speaking in the Colosseum more than just here in prison. I should be out preaching and teaching the good news in the Colosseum. But God says to Paul, he says, I know it's painful, but you're exactly where you need to be because it's in here. It's in this dark, it's in this lonely, it's in this difficult place that you are writing letters that are going to impact millions upon millions of people's lives for eternity. God says no sometimes because he has a bigger perspective. But the second reason that sometimes God says no is because he has a better plan. But what I mean by that is sometimes God says I'm going to say yes, but I'm not going to say yes the way you want me to say yes. I got a better plan. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. This, this comes from the Living Bible. God says this. He says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. In other words, you've got a plan, but I got a better one. This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. Why? Because my ways are much higher than your ways. Aren't you glad that God's ways are higher than ours? I'm glad that we have somebody who is much wiser than we are. We need to remember that when we pray. Because part of our problem is that when we pray, our prayers have the tendency not just to tell God what the problem is, but we also tend to give him our plan of what he ought to do about it. We, we rely on our own wisdom. Man, when I look back over my life, there are so many prayers that I prayed, and now I'm like, God, thank you for not answering that one, you know? If you'd have answered that the way I, I wanted you to answer it, now I see you had such a better plan. For instance, I think back my, my freshman year at Mid-American Nazarene University. I got there, and uh, I started dating a young lady. And, and we dated for a year and a half or so. She was the first girl that I ever thought I had fallen in love with. And so I bought her a ring. And we got engaged, and we, we dated for a while. But just not long into our engagement, she suddenly broke it off, and it broke my heart. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I, I prayed, and, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I prayed, God, would you change her heart? And God said, no. Listen, one of the things that we need to understand is God will never answer a prayer that violates the free will of somebody else. You wonder, why in the world does all this bad stuff happen in the world? It's because God gave us a free will. And people make choices. And remember, every choice, every decision has an implication much further than the choice that we make. And so I, I prayed and I prayed and God said no. A few years later, I met this little green-eyed, green I almost said green-haired. and You don't have that today. <laughs> you got a green shirt on. It is St. Patrick's Day. This little green-eyed girl. And after 25 years of marriage... I look back and I say, God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't answer that prayer. Thank you that you had a better plan for me. And I'm sure somewhere else, that other, whoever she was, is saying, thank you. You know, you had a better plan for me too. See, God has a, a better plan for our lives than even the plan that we make for ourselves. I mean, come on. Don't tell me. Anybody who's ever been to a high school reunion, you can't tell me that you look back and say, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer that prayer. 
You know, that hunk of hunk of burning love is no longer, you know, just a hunk of something, you know. And you look at her and go, what in the world was I thinking, you know. You see, God always has a bigger perspective, and oftentimes he has a better plan. Number three, sometimes God will say no because he has a greater purpose. We talk about this all the time. We sang about it today, is that God created us for purpose. He has a purpose for our lives. The psalmist in Psalm 57 writes these words. He says, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. God has a purpose for your life. And because God's ways are higher than our ways, sometimes we pray for things. We ask God for things that unbeknownst to us are not going to fall in line with God's purpose for our lives, are not going to fall in line with a purpose for other people or the purpose for the world, the way that God wants to use us in the world. It doesn't fall in line with his, with, with his purpose. And so that means that anytime you're discouraged, when you're praying and it doesn't seem like God is answering your prayer and you're like, you know what, this is not working, it's not happening, or it's happening too slow, anytime you feel discouraged, you need to remind yourself that God has a greater purpose for your life. And whatever that purpose is, he will fulfill it as long as you keep pursuing him. That's why last week we talked about what we're not, we're not chasing after what God can do for us, what we're chasing after after is God himself. Because if what we want him to do for us is not as good as what he wants to do for us, why would we want what we want him to do for us? I remember before I fully accepted the call to full-time ministry in my life, I was trying to figure out, God, what, what is your plan for my life? And I did all kinds of different things. And, and at one time, Laura and I, we talked about open up, opening up one of those little... Um, drive-through coffee shops, and this was before there was a Starbucks and scooters on every corner, you know, and we had been to Kearney, and there was this really cute little little coffee shop that they had built there, and, and uh, the, the original place had done really well, and so they had built another place and another place, and we looked into it. They were franchising these places, and you can buy into a franchise for like $60,000, and then, of course, you had to build the little building, and, and you had to buy the equipment, and so there was, there was quite an investment, especially for somebody like us, and, and so I was thinking, you know, but I could do that. I would like to do that, and so I prayed about it, and I asked God, and I asked him and asked him. and said, I'd really like to do that, and God said, no. Well, in, in just a few years later, God called me into full-time ministry, and that place went bankrupt. And they don't even exist anymore. I mean, we'd have lost everything. You see, God, he has not only a, a bigger perspective, he's got a better plan, and, and so often in our lives, he's got a greater purpose for our lives than what we can even imagine. I love the way that Paul describes God in one of the letters he writes. He's, he calls him the God of, 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 of the more. He's the God of the more. More than I can imagine. More than I can think of. God has a greater plan. He's the God of the more. And so the question is, you know, and then we could go on and on and on because there's lots of reasons why God may say no. But the reality is that when he says no and when we're confused and when we're experiencing pain in our lives, even though our first question is why, what we discover is the why doesn't take the pain or the questions away if we know why. 
If, I, if, I, if God came down and he told me the reason why that I took Char or let her, let her go at this time was because of da 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 it wouldn't make my heart hurt any less because she's gone, right? And, and so the bigger question is, what do we do when God says no? Regardless of the why, what do we do? What do we do in those times when God says no to a prayer that we prayed? Real quick, and then we're going to be done. Three things when God says no. Number one, we need to trust that everything that God does is out of goodness and love. We we trust that everything that God does, regardless of what it is, regardless of where we understand it or not, everything that he does is out of goodness and love. And the reason that we can trust in that is because the very essence of God himself is love. God is love. If he's anything in the world, he is love. That means that there's nothing that he ever does that could ever be unloving. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago when I asked the question, is there anything that God cannot do? And the answer is there's lots of things that God can't do. Number one, the Bible says that God can't lie. He's always going to tell the truth. He he can't violate his character. And God can't not love because he is love. He he can't do anything evil. God always does everything for our good. Everything that he does is for our good because he loves us. Again, the psalmist writes in Psalm 25, all the ways of the Lord are loving. It's amazing how those little words are so important. Not some of the ways of the Lord. Very definitive. All the ways of the Lord are loving. In other words, there are no unloving ways of God. He cannot act in an unloving way because he is love. Romans 8.28 says this. Very familiar passage of scripture. It says, in everything. Again, I love, I love the definitiveness of this. Not, not in some things, but in everything, which if it's in everything, that also includes the hard stuff or the painful stuff. It says, in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. We ought to remember that. That'd be a good verse to memorize if you haven't memorized it yet. We need to remember that, especially in those times when we don't understand why things are happening the way that we thought they should happen or would happen or or the way that we asked for them to happen. When we don't understand. Listen, some of you may want to write this down. It's not going to be up on the board or on the screen. But when we don't understand, what I want you to understand is we don't have to understand God's answer to know it's motivated by love. When we don't understand, we don't have to understand the answer that God gives us to know that it's motivated by love. And that means so whenever I pray, whatever God's answer to my prayer is, whatever it is, I can rest assured that his answer is motivated by his love for me. And we just said this earlier, you know, any good parent will not give a child everything that they ask for. And God loves you too much to give you everything that you ask for. So when God says no, really, you've got three options. The question is, how are you going to respond? You can either resist it, you can resent it, or you can just relax. You can resist it, you know, you can fight God over it. 
When God says no, you can get mad at God and you can turn your back on God and say, okay, God, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, if you're not going to play the game that I want, the way I want you to play it, then forget you, I'm leaving you. Unfortunately, there's a number of people who have done that. You, you can resent it. You can become rebellious and bitter and miserable and doubt God's love for you. Or you can just relax. Because you know that God always has your best interest at heart. You can say, God, this sure doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't understand why you're not answering my prayer the way that I'm asking you to answer it. It sure makes sense to me if we did it like this. This is incredibly painful, God. I, I know uh, th what's happening to me right now, it sure doesn't feel good. But I know that you're good. And I know that you love me. You're a good, good father. You're a loving father. And I know that no matter what, you are never going to stop loving me and you're never going to stop doing what is best for me. And this hurts like crazy. But even in the midst of the hurt, I'm going to hold on to the one thing that I know, and that is that your love for me, it will always remain and it will always be steady and I can always hold on to it. You see, God's love can become an anchor for us in the midst of the storms. Number two, the second thing you do when God says no, when, when, when in, in pain, pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. We just pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. You pray, you, you pray that prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he went to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. That word Gethsemane is a word that means the place where they press olives. I've been there. It's this beautiful orchard of olive trees right at the base of the Mount of Olives. This was Jesus' favorite place to pray. And here he is. He knows that tomorrow he's going to have to face some suffering. He knows that tomorrow he's going to have to endure torture. He knows that tomorrow he's going to be put on the cross. He's going to be shamed. He's going to be spat upon. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. And remember, Jesus is fully human. He's fully God, but he's fully human. And so in his humanness, he doesn't want to go through this pain any more than you or I would. And the Bible says that in his agony, he goes to the garden to pray, and the prayer that he prays would be a great prayer for us to pray whenever we're in pain. So follow this closely. Mark chapter 14, it says, going a little further into the garden, Jesus fell to the ground. In other words, he's, he's in so much agony that he, he can't even stand. And he prays this prayer. He prays, if possible, that he may not have to suffer what is ahead of him. He, he's, he, he's saying, God, if there's any way for the salvation of the world to take place any other way, if there's any way that the salvation of the world could take place where I don't have to suffer and die on the cross, listen, we need to understand that it is okay for us to say, God, I don't want to go through this. I mean, we're not sadists, right? It's perfectly okay to say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this suffering. I don't want to have to face what I'm having to face here. Whether it's you know, cancer or surgery or bankruptcy or death or whatever it is, God, I don't want to do this. Jesus prays this prayer, if possible, he wouldn't have to suffer what was ahead of him. And it says, Jesus prayed, Abba, my father. Remember Abba, that, that intimate word, daddy, father. And then he prays three things. He prays, first of all, all things are possible for you. 
Secondly, he prays, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And then finally, he prays, yet I want your will, not mine, to be done. Listen, those are the three things that we should always pray when we're in pain. Father, I know all things are possible. I know, I know that there is nothing that is impossible for you. I know that you can do anything. Then he prays, because I know that you have all power, I know that you can do anything. Would you help me? Would you take this situation? Would you heal me? Would you save me? Would you take this suffering away from me? But then the place that he lands is he says, but what I want even more than that, what I want most of all is I want your will to be done. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed. That would be a great prayer for us to pray. God, I don't, I don't want to go through this suffering. I don't want to go through this problem. I don't want to go through this pain. But nevertheless, what I want even more than that is I want your plan. I want your purpose. I want your perspective. I want your will to be accomplished in my life. We can pray that prayer. And I believe that when we do, it does something to the heart of God because what it communicates to him is, oh, you really do trust me. You really do have faith in me. When you come to the place where you're saying, you know what, your will is more important than my will, what you see is more important than what I see, what you want is more important than what I want, you really do trust me. Let me just give you one last thing that we should do whenever God says no. The third and the last thing is we need to expect God to give us his grace to handle whatever answer he does give to us. You see, if God says no, what we can expect and what we can take to the bank is that he will provide whatever grace we need in order to get through whatever it is he's allowing us to go through. I think again about the Apostle Paul, who, who if, there, if, if, you know, if we were ranking Christians, we don't do that, but let's, if we were, he'd have to be like number one on the list, right? I mean, next to Jesus he, Paul has, has had more influence on the church than anyone else in history, but, but even Paul had things that he prayed for. In fact, he prayed and prayed and prayed that God would take away what he called his thorn in the flesh, and we don't have any idea what that thorn was. All we know that it was a problem that caused tremendous pain in Paul's life, and God's answer to Paul was no. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, he says, I prayed for this thing three times. Three, three times I prayed to the Lord about this, and I asked him to take it away. God, take away this pain. God, rescue me from this issue. But God's answer to me was, my grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you are weak. So Paul says this. He says, you know what? I will gladly boast in my weakness. I will gladly boast in my pain. I will gladly boast in my difficulties. Why? He says, so that Christ's power can flow through me. And then he says these words. He says, for, it, for when I am weak, because God's grace is flowing through me, because God's power is flowing through me, for when I am weak, then I am strong. All of a sudden, something happens 
when I am in the midst of some pain and God's power is flowing through me, all of a sudden I'm no longer operating in my own strength, which is really weakness. Now all of a sudden I'm operating in God's power, which is incredible strength. In my weakness, I am strong. So if you're here this morning, and, and maybe you've been praying about something and it just hadn't happened yet. God's just been kind of silent. I want to remind you what we talked about, first of all, last week. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking until God answers, until he says, quit praying for that because my answer is no. But in the meantime, don't forget that God loves you. God is for you. He wouldn't do anything to hurt you. And he's got a bigger perspective. He may have a better plan. Or maybe he's just got a greater purpose for your life. And hold on to those things because God loves you and he is for you. And if he doesn't take you around it, the promise that you have is he will take you through it. And when you get through to the other side, not only will he be glorified, but the people around you will be impacted. And in your weakness, he will make you strong. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning and let's pray. Father, this morning we recognize that you're not going to say yes to every prayer that we pray. And as hard as it is, we ought to thank you for that. Because we don't have to rest upon our own intellect, our own uh, wisdom that you have said that we can, we can lean into you and, and, and you can provide wisdom that we don't even have. You told us to ask for anything. You never said that you give us everything. That there are some times that you will say no to the prayer that we pray. And sometimes you allow us to figure out why you said no. Sometimes you, you give us the ability, either through um, a better understanding of through time or maturity, to be able to look back on our lives and we can say, thank you that you didn't answer my prayer exactly the way that I asked you to answer it. But, but some of our prayers, we just recognized this morning that some of our prayers, we may never know the reason why you said no until we get to heaven. But even then... What we do know is this, and what we hold on to is this, is the fact that you are a good, good God, and that you are for us, and you are not against us, and you have good plans for our lives, and they're plans to prosper us, not to harm us. They're plans to give us a hope and a future. And so we hold on to that this morning, Father, that you are a loving Father, and that you are a God who has a greater perspective. You have a better plan. And you have a greater purpose. And so this morning, Father, my prayer for myself as I pray for my friends this morning, whom I love, my prayer for all of us this morning is that you would help us once again to keep our eyes fixed and focused upon you and who you are, not simply what you do for us. Help us to focus on who you are and how much you really do love us. And then, Father, help us to relax 
in whatever you have for us because we have been promised that while you might not take us around it, you always will take us through it. And we praise you this morning. We ask you to help us this morning as we leave this place to walk in that reality. Some of us needed to hear this this morning. And so we're going to hold on to that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yard to Smith.